Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Why'd the leprechaun cross the road? Because the light turned green. Y'all gonna get joy, whether you like it or not. Hey, I'm thankful for um, a, a serve team that makes these services happen every Sunday, aren't you? Before, before we showed up this morning, people were already praying over this place and rehearsing and making coffee for you and all that stuff. I'm especially thankful for our live stream team making this happen. Some of them were in here running around, Christian running, like running around like your mama at sixth grade graduation, like getting up on the state, you know. Y'all know what there's like, oh, mom, you know. Um, and some of the guys are working in the back back there to make it happen. I'm just so thankful for that, that we can create a space in this warehouse that also extends into people's homes and in the hospital rooms. What you're doing when you serve at the dwelling, when you choose to give of your gifts and your talents to make this happen, you're creating a space for people to encounter God. And they don't even have to be in this room now. Isn't that awesome? I'm thankful. So today is part seven of our glory series. We've been going through the book of Ephesians together. And so uh, we're going through chapter three. Hey, we're making progress. You, you, you doubted, you doubted, but we're making progress. Um, <laughs> uh, verses one through 13. So if you wanna click over there on your little device or turn over, if, you're, um, if you like paper like me, um, turn over to Ephesians chapter three. And while you're making your way there, if you're first time guest, fill out that QR code, that connection card um, on the seat in front of you. You actually have to put your phone to it and, and uh, put the camera on it and it'll lead you to a connect card. Um, also, hey, join a community. If you're new here, I, I had someone send me a text this morning and say, I couldn't make it to church this morning, but are there any groups I can be a part of? I really need friends. Isn't that good? That's what community's for. Party time. That's what, that's what community is for, guys. And so here's what we've done. I know a lot of you may have tried to sign up and the groups were capped off. Communities are open now. We reopened them because we want to multiply. And we can't multiply if we cap the groups, right? So now we know who wants to join a group. And so if you need to get in a group, maybe you live in Georgetown, there's a group for you. There's a community. If you live in Pooler, there's two of them for you, okay? There's, there's seven, I think, groups this semester. Huh? Southside, they represent over there. Okay. Said so you couldn't let that one pass. All right. So there's, uh, there's just a great opportunity for you to get involved with relationships and people. And it's just been so rich this semester. And so those are back open. And so the goal is, who's the first community that can actually multiply first? Make it a race. It's exciting. All right. So I want to talk about a glorious calling today. Okay. A glorious calling in Ephesians chapter three. And uh, in this passage, it'd be helpful if I turn there. In this passage, um, Paul talks a lot about his calling as an apostle, his calling to the Gentiles to bring the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, to um, not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles, the ones who are apart from God. Come on, who are my Gentiles in here? Okay, you've been brought into the fold by the grace of God. And Paul says, I've been sent to the Gentiles, and he talks about his calling 
And what I see in these verses is just how to fulfill the call of God on your life. How do you fulfill the call of God on your life? And I, I know on Tuesday, I really got the, uh, don't pay any attention to that stuff. Just, God, God speaks through all this anyway, all right? So what I want you to really press into today, as I, on Tuesday, I was, I was thinking like, all right, here's the message. And every day since Tuesday, I've been, no, 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 this is a word from God. No, no, what he has to say today is specifically for somebody that's going to be in this room or watching online or listening to the podcast later. I'm telling you, I feel a prophetic thing on this word today. And I just believe the Lord is going to speak and he's going to change lives today through this. Because some of you today, when you hear this about how to fulfill a calling on your life, you're actually going to step into your calling for the first time. There's going to be almost a commissioning right there in your seat from the Lord himself. This is the purpose to which you were called. And then there's going to be some of you that are uh, listening to this word today that you're going to be, just be reminded that, oh, I'm not just living for myself. And there's a greater purpose and there's a greater calling on my life than I thought. And then I know there's people in this room that you're almost to the point of giving up and the Lord wants you to finish well. Do you know that you, th you need to think about finishing well long before you retire? Retirement is not just the time where you think about finishing well. When you're 19 years old, you need to be thinking about finishing well. And so some, somebody's going to just be awakened to that today of like, oh, it's not too late. It's not over. God's got a purpose for me. got a calling on my life, and I'm going to fulfill that calling. All right, so let's get started. Y'all ready? Are you with me this morning? Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, and we're just going to go verse by verse like we've been doing. The first thing that I see in this passage, it's going to require these things to fulfill the call of God on our lives. The first thing I see is obedience. Re obedience is required to fulfill the call of God on your life. Paul says in verse 1, For this, this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. S think of that language, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, he didn't arrest Paul, take him captive against his will, but Paul says, I'm willingly a prisoner for Jesus Christ, and, and I am a prisoner for you guys, is what he says. Obedience is this willing service. It's this willing servant's heart to God to do whatever he says. And I was thinking about obedience this week, and obedience requires intention, right? It requires me being intentional about something. And so I, I thought of it this way. Obedience is intention that flows out of attention. When I give my full attention to him, I'm going to get his heart, and I'm going to hear his voice, and I'm going to see what he's doing that will require me to be intentional. So obedience is intention that flows out of attention. Can we set our, set our sights higher this morning? Can we set our eyes on Jesus? Can we lean into his voice and be ready to obey when he speaks? So some of you may feel like you're stuck 
and you're calling today, some of you may feel like you're disconnected from God, this is what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. You may feel disconnected, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the last thing you disobeyed. The last part where you disobeyed and just go back and do it. Just do what he says. It's not that he's mad at you. It's that we've really disconnected from the vine in a way. Like we, our, our life source, that, that, that hope, that joy, that strength, that peace, that everything that comes by the fruits of the Spirit in our life, those often start to wane when I have disobeyed. I've noticed that in my life. Have you? When there's an area of disobedience in my life, peace is not quite there like it was when I was actually obeying. In a feel-good Christianity that we've kind of constructed for ourselves these days, obedience is the word for the hour. Obedience. Doing what Jesus tells us to do is being a disciple of Christ. And so... It's going to take obedience to fulfill the call of God on our lives. The second thing I see here is grace. It's going to require grace to fulfill the call of God on your life. In verses 2 through 6, Paul says, Surely you've heard about the administration. Everybody say administration. administration. Of God's grace. Everybody say grace, grace. That was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. That's what we talked about last week. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. He says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace. Okay, administration. Well, let's look at the word grace first. What does the word, word grace mean? We talk about that a lot in church. It's the favor. It's the goodwill. It's the loving kindness. It's the faithful love of the Father. And Paul says, I've been given the gift, an administration, an administration of the grace of God. What does administrate mean? That means you're overseeing something, right? You're telling, if you're an administrator, you're looking at employees, if you're in business or whatever, you guys that are in business, if you've got people under you, you're, you're telling them, this is what you're need, you need to do to make this bigger thing happen, okay? This is where we're going, and so this is where this needs to happen, and you're administrating, right? Another word that you can translate this word administration that Paul's talking about is stewardship. And so I want you to think about stewardship maybe in a financial realm, okay? So if I'm a good steward of finances, that means I know where the money's going, and I'm putting it in the best places. With me? If you come to me and you say, Gunner, will you steward my money for me? And I'm gonna say, you don't want that, okay? Just ask somebody else. No, but this is what stockbrokers and all that do. What do you want when you, when you go to somebody and you ask them to steward your finances? You want them to put the money where it's gonna make a return, don't you? Or do you just want it to sit there? No, you want, it to, you want a return on your investment. God says, or Paul says, God has given me an administration of God's grace. He's given me a stewardship 
of his grace, his loving kindness, his faithful love, his saving grace, he's actually put me as a steward of in the people's lives around me. One of the first things they teach you in Bible college is the, 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 the ways that God's grace is manifested in our lives. I mean, like 101, this is what first class I took. They said there's common grace and there's saving grace. Common grace is the grace that reaches every part of creation. Right now, there's nowhere in creation that God's grace is not touching. Common grace is the thing that's holding the earth together right now. Common grace is the worst sinner, murderer, anything you, I mean, let's name all the adjectives you want to. The worst person on the face of the earth is literally carried right now by the grace of God. You can't run from it. You can't get away from it. God's grace permeates everything. It's his common grace. It's the reason your heart's still beating right now. It's the reason that you are living right now. It's the reason we're here. It's just grace. We're surrounded by his grace. We're carried by his grace. That's his common grace. And that's for everybody everywhere. But then there's saving grace. And this is that manifestation of God's grace where the Holy Spirit gets in here and he starts drawing you and he starts convincing you it's divine persuasion faith in the original language is to be divinely persuaded and the Holy Spirit begins to draw you in and you believe the gospel and you're reunited with your father and your life is changed that's saving grace how many know everybody can experience common grace but saving grace is a different thing. Could it be that God has given you, as he gave Paul, the administration, the stewardship of that kind of grace? And that your neighbors or your coworkers, yes, they're experiencing common grace because common grace is everywhere. But what if saving grace depended upon your stewardship of it in their lives? Show me in the Bible where there's a plan B. It's not there. That's because he's called you and he's called me to be the stewards of his faithful love. How is stewarding his gift of grace? How do you do that? You share the gospel of grace. And you can do it. You know how I know? Because Jesus told us to, and he didn't tell us to do impossible things. It's possible by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And I'm telling you, if we just get filled up with his spirit, that comes natural comes natural. So it's going to require grace, and it's going to require us stewarding the grace of God on our lives for other people. The third thing I see is this. Say, I'm with you, Gunner. I'm still hanging in there. I don't believe y'all. Okay, uh, number three. Number three, humility. Humility. It's going to require to fulfill the call of God on our life to finish well it's going to require humility. 
And Paul says in verse 7 through 9, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the power, working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all Lord's people, the grace was given to me to preach the, to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden by God who created all things. Notice Paul's attributing his calling to God. He said it's the gift of God's grace. Paul says, I didn't do anything to get it. I didn't pay for this. It's a gift. Through the working of his power. It's not my power that sustains this in me. It's by his power that works in me. Paul knew where he came from. He didn't claim to be anybody. He was, he was trained by like the, the head guys in Judaism. No doubt had the whole Torah memorized. He knew more about the scripture than anybody. And he thought that the call of God on his life was to protect that. And so he thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians and arresting them. And as a matter of fact, he was on his way to do so when God knocked him off his horse and blinded him. God's such a gentleman, isn't he? He never do anything to make us uncomfortable or anything like that. So Jesus appears to Saul, blinding light, knocks him on his horse, off his horse. I had, I had an opportunity in January to go to Wyoming with a group of guys. It's a spiritual retreat. But how many know uh, spiritual retreat plus snowmobiles yeah. makes it even more awesome? And uh, we might have been going a little fast. Okay, just saying. I don't think there's any highway patrol up in the mountains, you know, that's going to. So everybody just kind of, they're getting it, you know. And uh, one of the guys in our group, his little sled on his, on his snowmobile caught the bank. And the next thing you know, all I see is like, he looked like a figure skater, you know, in the sky. And just a person flying. Have you ever seen a human being fly? I did. And. Thank God he didn't land on the road. He landed in a snowbank because it could have been really bad. But um, the snowmobile was a mangled mess, but he was great. He was fine. But I think about that every time I think about Paul falling off his horse. I'm like, I bet it was like that. Bam! You know, like it's not just sliding off the horse, you know. He knocked him off his horse. He had an encounter with Jesus, but he had an encounter with the pavement. And I'm going to tell you what it did. It shook him. And it woke him up. Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, this is not what I've called you to. There is a greater calling on your life than the one you are currently running after. You think it's me. Could it be that some of us need a wake-up call? That some of us need a pavement encounter? You ever had the rug pulled out from under your, your life? Sometimes God does that to get us back on where we're supposed to be going. Some of us, when we, when we get distracted from our calling, and we just need that wake-up call. We need a wake-up call. And so this humility thing, responding to that wake-up call is humility, and it requires humility. Because none of us are perfect. We all get distracted. Am I right? We all go ups and downs. We all got the hills and the valleys, the mountaintops and the, 
in the low place. We're, we're there. That's what a walk with Jesus looks like. But every once in a while, when we stay in that low place too long, we just need somebody to say, hey, it's time to wake up. And maybe that's what this morning is to you. Maybe, what, maybe that's what the Lord is doing in your life. Maybe he's just knocking and saying, hey, we've gotten off of our purpose. We've gotten off of our calling. And I'm calling you right now back to the road that I called you to be on. So it takes humility. Number four, it takes vision. Verses 10 through 11, he says, His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We talked about heavenly realms, rulers, and authorities, you know. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 6. We talked about that. Do you remember that? Yes, Gunnar, I remember everything you say on Sundays. So we talked about rulers and authorities. Who are the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms? Who are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms? Demonic entities. Satan. Rulers and authorities, not in earthly realms. We're not talking about mayors and governors and princes and presidents and kings. We're talking about spiritual entities that inform our thinking and inform what's going on around the world that we see on the news right now, that empower that kind of thinking. And so what, is, what does Paul say the ultimate plan of God is? That the gospel be revealed to those guys? And see, we think Jesus just wants to help us get through this week. <laughs> like we just want, I love what Christian said, like Jesus is not our life coach. Get you one. Like you said, we got, we got one in the church right here. Raise your hand. <laughs> but Jesus is Lord. And how, how many know Jesus' goal and will for your life is a lot broader and a lot higher than you think? I hope you get a vision of that today. God, give us light for that. Give us vision for what you're actually after. What, when we would think God, God has called us to this, he's always pressing us wider, to see things deeper, to see things higher, to come up to a higher perspective. God says it's not just about the gospel revealed to the Gentiles. It's that everything will know who I am. Everyone will understand what grace this is. And so it's going to take vision. His purpose is extended in the temporal, but they are eternal, eternal. I, I say this a lot, or, or, or I think this a lot, whether I communicate it or not, but at this point in my life and in the life of our church, I'm no longer thinking week to week. How I many know when you plant a church, you're just like, maybe we can make, make it to next week. Maybe we can make it to next year. Vision doesn't reach very far when you're just getting started, but the more you walk with Jesus and the more you see his miracles and the more you experience his faithfulness in your life, what happens is your vision begins to grow. And I, I want us as a church to think generationally. I don't want us to think about this year. You got to think about this year to think about this decade, yes. But I want our heights, I want the, our, the, the, the sight of our vision to be higher. Yeah. Because it's not about us, it's about those who are coming after us. 
It's about those who's not even come yet. You know what's happening in a few weeks? Easter service. Easter Sunday service is happening. And I believe with all my heart that there'll be more people here on Easter Sunday than ever before in the life of the dwelling. Because you guys are going to invite people. God's going to lay somebody in your heart. And you're going to go invite them. And you're going to bring them. And God's going to wreck their life when they come in this room. So I want you to think about those people. I want you to think about your children. I want, to, I want you to thinking about your grandchildren that you haven't even really given thought to yet. And that how you fulfill your calling right now impacts their lives. But what if we even took it a step further, not even just thought generationally, what if we thought eternally? And ask yourself the question, is the road that I'm on getting me further down the eternal call on my life? I tell you what is going to burn up one day. All those dollar bills. They're going to burn up. Let's find something greater <laughs> to give our lives to. And God's called us to the greatest call. But it requires vision. My grandparents used to have a record player in their living room. I'm talking like a, one of those big ones. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like a big dresser. And it had speakers in it. And, and I can remember as a kid hearing this song, Little is Much. When God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Little is much when God is in it. I believe the Lord wants to give you a vision for those of you that serve. If you're not serving here at the dwelling, I want to encourage you to get, get on a serve team. Make a difference in somebody's life. You, never, you, weren't, you weren't made to sit and soak. That's not what you're designed for. He's calling you higher. He's calling you higher. It's time to serve people. And we, but not just serving people, not just, do, not, just, not just dripping the coffee out there. You're not just dripping coffee, hospitality team. You're creating a space that's going to change somebody's eternity. You're not just rocking a baby back there. They can hear me. You can, you're not just rocking a baby back there, nursery team. You're rocking the future. And you're changing lives. You're not just singing a song up here. You're not just running lyrics. You're not just moving sliders on a board. Yeah. You're impacting eternity by the way that you serve. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that serving on a team at the dwelling church is your life's purpose. But I will say this. Serving in your local church is the launching pad for actually seeing what God wants to do Come with on. your calling and your purpose. It really is. Because here's what I believe with all my heart. If you can't pick a mop up, you probably don't need to hold a mic. You know? God entrusts us when he trusts us. And if we can't use humility, if we can't go low, here's the challenge. Going low in service, but not seeing it as lowly. Making the choice to be low, knowing that the lower you go, 
the more far-reaching impact you're actually having. Because the more you go low, the more the Holy Spirit empowers what you're doing. And there's a more of a grace on your life. I'm telling you, choose humility, but see a greater vision in what you're doing. Serve people. Serve people. This isn't a commercial for serve team, but we always need people to serve at the dwelling. Always. Always. There will never be a time where we say, we got it covered. We need you. We need you. Whether it's holding the door for somebody, helping them out of the car in the parking lot, getting on the parking lot team, whatever that looks like. I won't belabor this. Serve people. Serve people. All right. Worship team, um, come on up if you guys are in here. This is my last point. Say, oh, Thank you so much. <laughs> Number six, endurance. I could stop right there. You feel that? You feel it? You feel it in your body, don't you? I skipped it. Thank you. And get this. You know what it was? Confidence. How many of y'all going to call the pastor on a skipping the point, huh? Thank you, Jessica. Verse 12, it says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is an identity thing. See, I don't believe you can truly stick to your calling unless you know who you are. We create spaces for people to encounter God as a father, discover their identity, and fulfill their purpose. You don't fulfill your purpose until you get your identity. You don't get an identity before you see yourself in the Father's eyes. Changes everything. Serving's not just for serving. <laughs> Serving's an overflow. Fulfilling your calling's an overflow of who you are once you've met Jesus. So there's three terms I see. Paul says, approach him. That's, the, that's a way of life rooted in a way of thinking that I actually can approach God. Do you think that way? Approaching him is a renewed mindset that says God is actually a good father. And not only can I come close, he wants me to. And then he says, freedom. That's a way of life rooted in a clear conscience. It's living my life in such a way that I don't have any regrets. I don't have any broken relationships that I'm not mended. I don't have any unconfessed sin in my life. I don't have any places of disobedience where I've not said yes. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you could say that? I bet you'd fulfill your calling and then the last thing is confidence. This is a, a way of life that's rooted in rightly placed trust. In and of myself, I'm the biggest chicken in the world. But true confidence I've learned is not, it doesn't come from here. It doesn't come from this guy. It comes from the, the love of God deeply rooted in me 
in the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit rising up in me. That's confidence. So I don't place my trust in myself to fulfill your call that God's called you to in life. You will not get there by mustering up the courage and confidence. It'll burn out. But when you root yourself in his love, in your identity, confidence flows. How about endurance? Let's do that one now. It's the last one. Verse 13, he says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I mean, Paul went through it. He suffered. And if you wondered how he suffered, he laid it out for him. I think it's Corinthians. He's like, I've been beat down. I've been shipwrecked. I've been all this stuff happened to me. Why did I do all that? Because the call of God on my life, the call of God on your life will require endurance. And yes, it is the power of the Holy Spirit in you working, but it's your partnership with that power that makes it possible. Paul says, don't be discouraged that I'm suffering. It's your glory. A renewed mind could say that suffering is glory. We said 2022 is gonna be the year of glory. Y'all believe that? You say yes to glory? You might be saying yes to suffering. You might be saying yes to hardship. You might be saying yes to really, really, really hard things. But good news is God's with us. And glory, nothing is compared to his glory. Paul said another place, I consider that the present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that'll be revealed in us. That's not even in my notes. The Holy Spirit just dropped that one in there. Endurance is necessary. The will to keep moving, to keep showing up, to keep laboring. It flows out of purity of devotion. It's Jesus, just loving Jesus. It's loving Jesus. That's how you keep going. Do you realize? Like his love is your source. It's our source. It's purity of devotion. It's perseverance. It's I will obey no matter what. I will keep going because God's not done with me. You just got to convince yourself of that. You just got to say that. Yeah. And then prioritizing the main, main things, saying no to things that don't get you down that road of your calling in life. I, I was sitting in a coffee shop earlier this week and I get so distracted when I'm in coffee shops because I hear other people's conversations. And I just got sucked into an interview that I was not a part of. <laughs> but this was for a Christian organization and um, the guy that was doing the hiring process was sitting there in the coffee shop and this young kid walked in he said, look, we're going to invest a lot in you. We're going to train you. We're going to disciple you in your job. And here's what he said. He said, I want you to promise me one thing. He looked at that kid right in the eyes. He said, I don't want you to even entertain the thought 
that this is not what God's called you to until you're to this place, until you're past 101. I was like, man, that was good. I'm writing it down. <laughs> and then he sits there and the guy leaves and they talk about it. I think he'll be good. Yeah, I think he's a good kid. Yeah, it's going to be great. We just had to help him. Another guy walks in, sits down, identical conversation. This guy looks him dead in the eye. He said, I want you to promise me one thing, that you won't even dare to entertain the thought that God's not called you to this until you get to that last thing on that list I just gave you. And guys, that rocked me. Because how many times have we just gone through life just wishy-washy, I hope this is God's will for my life. I hope that I'm where the place I'm supposed to be. I hope, I hope, I hope. What if we just said, don't you even, I just hear him right now, he's a coach. He's not gonna coach, he, had a, he, he needed a whistle around his neck because he was like so coachy. He said, don't you even entertain the thought that this is not the call of God on your life until you're done. Man, talking about a renewed mind, talk about purpose. We can't live wishy-washy anymore and, and fulfill the call of God on our life. Maybe we just need to put our foot down for once and just say, this is the call of God on my life and I'm not gonna quit until I'm done. I'm not gonna stop until I take my last breath. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop until I see His face. calling us to radical obedience radical endurance and I can tell you this is hitting my life right now because over the course of our church plant experience here I have um, I have come to discover I think finally what the most important things are. And I'll tell you what yours are. Your relationship with God. Friendship, intimacy with Him. Love relationship. That's number one. It's the center of everything. And in case you're wondering, your first thing that flows out of that, your first priority is your family. your marriage, is your kids. And then what has he called you to? Beyond that, what's the calling in your life? What's the calling over your life? What's the assignment that he's given you? Anything that doesn't line up with that needs to be laid down, needs to be handed off, whatever that looks like. But it's going to take endurance. And I'm going to tell you, it's real hard to run a race when you got shackles on you. And when you got not the right clothes on. Runners get just about everything off of them that they can. You know what I'm saying? So they can run the race. And I just believe that's what God's calling many of us in this room to do. There are things that we just need to lay down. 
There's some things that needs to change about our schedule. There's some things that need to be changed about the way we budget our time and our energy. This requires faithfulness and endurance and embracing the call on our lives. Are you ready to do that? Here's what I want to ask us to do. I want us to stand up. Everybody just stand to your feet. And uh, I just, I, I feel like we just need to respond to this word today. If God has spoken to your heart today in some way, I mean, I know I had like a million points. So I hope somebody was in there somewhere, okay? If God spoken to you today, I want you to lift your hand up. Just that God spoke something specific to my life and what this word was. Pretty much everybody in the room, okay? That means you need to respond. Obedience is intention that flows from attention. You've given him your attention. You've heard what he said. Now it's time to do it, okay? So what that looks like just in these moments, it may be coming down and literally laying something down. Sometimes you just need to do a prophetic thing and just walk to the front and get on your knees. Community leaders, y'all come up, make your way up here real quick. Just get in place, just kind of spread out. Um, if you need ministry today, prayer of any kind, Maybe today you're, you're in this room and you'd say, I've never given my heart and life to Jesus like I've done the church thing. Or maybe not, but you, you wanna give your heart and life to Jesus. You believe the gospel, that he died for you, that he was raised for you, and that he's made a way for you to come to the Father. You just lay your life down and just be surrendered to Jesus and he'll come in and fill your life and change your life. You don't have to clean yourself up. He's really good at it. <laughs> he's a good redeemer. He'll fix all that brokenness. You just surrender your life to him. Maybe that's you today. I wanna, I wanna ask you just to come forward and just talk to one of these community leaders. These are guys, some of these are our leaders of communities that I was talking about our groups earlier, and they'd love to pray for you. Also, if there's something like, hey, this is, this is what God is calling me to. I just need some prayer and some strength because some of you, it means you're changing your job today. Somebody's going to have to make a job change today. And that's hard. But if that's what God's calling you to do, be obedient. And you might need just to get the body of Christ to put some, put some hands on you and just believe God with you for provision and just, just build your faith together. Just go after that thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's called you to, but I'm asking you to respond. Okay? So let's do that. We'll just pray together. And then we're going to dismiss and so if you need to give your heart to the Lord today, I want you to come talk to somebody. If you need ministry, if you need healing in your body or anything, just come on up and pray. Get, let these guys pray for you, okay? We're gonna pray, be dismissed, but I want you to respond, whether that's here or whether that's out the door. Amen? Amen. All right, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us, that you're always so patient and you're always forming us into who you've made us to be. And Lord, you are calling us deeper. You are calling us higher. You are calling us wider in this place today. Lord, I just thank you for the acts of obedience, the simple acts of obedience, the small steps that are gonna be taken in response to your word and your calling on their lives today. Lord, may we be completely surrendered in everything that we do. May we be completely surrendered to the call of God on our life. And like Paul says, be a prisoner. Let us run the race with endurance. 
looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and we walk. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come get prayer, ministry. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Live in the joy of the Lord. Obey Him. He loves you. We do too. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.